Coming up on today's episode of the Locked On Bucks podcast, we do our final preview for the Buccaneers and Saints game this weekend. It's a new football season. Le'Veon Bell is with the New York Jets. Odell Beckham is in Cleveland. But one thing hasn't changed, and that is that my bookie is the place to bet on football every weekend. My bookie has better bonuses and more prop bets than any other sports book, period. This year, they're hosting the first online handicapping super contest. First place is guaranteed to win at least $100,000, and it only costs $100 to enter. All you got to do is pick five NFL games against the spread every week to climb the leaderboard and score your share of the huge cash prize pool. MyBookie has live in-game betting on every NFL game. They've got the most rewarding player perks in the business, and for you fantasy guys out there, you can even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score each game. Right now, you can double your first deposit with a first deposit bonus worth up to $1,000. Just use promo code LOCKEDON to activate the offer. Visit MyBookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON when creating your account to claim your bonus. You bet. You win, you get paid. You are Locked On Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Forfeit the game before somebody else takes you out of the frame. Put your name to shame, cover up your face. You can't run the race, the pace is too fast, you just won't last. What's up and welcome back to the Locked On Bucks podcast. I'm James Yarko, joined as always by David Harrison. You can find everything that we're doing over at BucksNation.com and make sure you follow along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JayArco underscore Bucks, at DH82 underscore Bucks, and at Bucks underscore Nation. All right, here we go. It's everyone's favorite episode. Actually, Thursday's probably everyone's favorite episode because I'm not here. No, we're, David, we're doing our, our predictions and our predictive players of the game and our scores and all that good fun stuff as uh, as we dive into the first Bucks Saints game, which you and I really haven't oppor- haven't had an opportunity to talk about all that much. So let's go ahead and, and get right into it. And I mean, honestly, to me, the the key to the game for the Bucks is defensively do what you've been doing, keep shutting down the run, shut down Alvin Kamara, and force Teddy Bridgewater to be the guy to beat you. Yeah, I mean that's that's the strategy they've been going with, and you know, like we've all kind of discussed, this team could very easily uh, be four and zero, or at least three and one, coming out of the first quarter of the season. So it's working, and I mean, we talked about it earlier in the week. Ba talked about it in his Wednesday press conference that you know, obviously, you don't want to give up forty points or something like that, like that to to your opponent. But if you've got fifty five on the board on the other side, you'll take it and you'll and you'll be happy with it. So. That's that's really kind of the key, and I mean, when you're when you're talking about the Saints, they can bottle up Alvin Kamara, then they're going to make these guys grind out every single yard, every single point they do get, and eventually, I mean, when you get into the red zone, you know that's why you kind of want that running game because you can you can pass in the red zone. Obviously, it's it's a thing you can do, but I mean, when the shrink when when the field shrinks, you want to be able to get those short yards, you know, without having to. To, to put the ball in the air and risk, you know, all the all the traffic and everything else. So I think that in the in the grand scheme, I mean it's a it's a classic bend don't break, you know, type of situation. Not for nothing, but this very franchise won a Super Bowl doing the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. And and shutting down Kamara in the running game is one thing. Kamara is still going to be heavily involved in the passing game. And and Ross Jackson and I talked about it on the crossover Wednesday episode. And you know, they're going to 
you know, the, the old cliche, they're going to run through the air, the short dump off passes, the, the quick, uh, the quick tosses to Kamara to get him involved and get him a little bit of space. And instead of having to try to run through Vea and Sue and, and the linebacking core, that's where Kamara is going to do his damage. So that's obviously going to be a, a big thing. But if Devin White's able to come back, that's a huge boost to the linebacking core, and that can actually help neutralize what Kamara is going to be able to do in the passing game. You have Barrett Nassib as kind of the pass rush guys. Well, Levante David has been, and you and I are, are somewhat guilty of this as well, he's been an overlooked key part of this defense because I guess it's it's gotten to the point where – Levante just does what he does, and we almost take it for granted how good he is and how quickly he gets to whoever has the ball. But you you have Levante, and then if Devin White comes back, you have two incredibly fast, incredibly intelligent linebackers that can shut down those short passes to, to guys like Kamara or if they do their goofy little gimmicky Tebow Hill you know, quarterback nonsense. You know, these are two guys that you can rely on to minimize the production that that they have as running backs receiving out of the backfield. Oh, most definitely. Yeah, getting Devin White back would be huge. And Lamonte has been, you know, he's been solid, uh, you know, all season long. And yeah, I mean, people, you're right. I mean, it's just it's just kind of Levante David, you know, being Levante David. So nobody's really kind of celebrating him and, and all that stuff. But it's uh, it's just kind of he's become that constant, and sometimes that's that's I don't want to call it a negative. I don't think Levante cares, but yeah, he's definitely you know kind of been out of the spotlight because some of these new guys like Shaq Barrett and you know and Dominic Sue with the touchdown last week, the new blood so to speak is kind of making its impact early on in the season. So uh, some of the some of these returning guys aren't getting some of the attention they need. But I think you're right; it's it's going to be critical there in the middle part of the field because. Uh, I, I, th- I don't think the Saints are going to try to run Alvin Kamara through the line. I, I think they're going to avoid the trenches for the most part, and they're going to try to get Kamara isolated, you know, with some of these opportunities to maybe make a defender miss, make a make a defensive back miss, or even one of these linebackers miss, or take advantage of some of the aggressiveness from guys like Carl Nassim, Shaquille Barrett, and get the ball around them or over them. So that's going to be crucial. But what these guys have been doing, you know, a lot of is getting their hands up, and they've been deflecting a lot of passes. Um, that otherwise, you know, might not be getting deflected. So I don't know, man, the way that this front seven is playing without Devin White, uh, I've got a lot of confidence running into this game. And I still kind of feel like this defense is going to have a letdown game. And I don't mean that in the secondary. I mean, the entire defense is going to have a letdown game sooner or later. I just don't feel like this is the week for it. But Alvin Kamara obviously is a dangerous threat. But I mean, honestly, between Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey and Alvin Kamara, I don't know. Maybe it's familiarity or whatever, but Alvin Kamara scares me the least out of all three. Oh wow, Kamara always scares the crap out of me. Always, he's so. Well, yeah, good. I mean that's not to say that he's not. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm not saying like he's nothing. I'm just saying when it comes to and, and this kind of goes back to the Giants game, right? Remember, leading up to the Giants game it was like we have, everybody's got to be careful not to get overconfident, and I almost kind of feel like maybe I'm breaching into that area because of what they've been able to do against so many running backs. But just if if I had to rank who's most dangerous of Saquon Barkley, Chris McCaffrey, and Alvin Kamara. Alvin Kamara's third, probably. Honestly, I'd probably put Saquon first, Christian second, then Alvin third um, in, in that group. So the fact that they've already bottled up Christian McCaffrey, they already bottled up. I understand Saquon only played one half, but in that half, they bottled him up. I don't know, man. I just like Alvin doesn't 
Alvin Kamara doesn't scare me coming into this week as much as he would have otherwise. And the fact that he doesn't scare me almost scares me. <laughs> All right. Well, you you take a look at, you know, we've talked about the the key for the defense here. Looking at the offensive side, again, I'm going to stick with they need to do what they've been doing. That's kind of that's kind of my theme going into this week. Continue to run the ball with with Barber and obviously Ronald Jones, who's having an outstanding first quarter of the season. And then Jameis needs to continue being Jameis. And and this is this is one of those times where Jameis being Jameis has a positive connotation, kind of like what what Nate Burleson was saying on Good Morning Football. He's taking care of the football. He's making smart decisions. He's he's passing with with an incredibly accurate rate for Jameis at, at this moment in time. You know, the Bucks offense is moving the ball. They're scoring. Last week they they weren't settling for field goals in the red zone. They were putting it into the end zone. All they have to do is keep doing that. And it's going to be hard to stop them. You know, you want to focus on on Chris Godwin after you know what an incredible week he had. All right. Well, you know, Mike Evans is still over there. So we're just going to throw it to him 14 times instead of throwing it to Godwin. There's still the threat of OJ Howard. Now it hasn't materialized into a big game yet this year, but we know at some point that that will break through. So, you know, OJ Howard is still there. Cameron Bray got involved with a touchdown catch. The offense just has to keep doing what they're doing. And for the offensive line, the protection that they've given Jameis the past couple weeks has been impressive. A lot of people, you know, we've had our criticisms of the offensive line, but these past couple weeks, they've looked good. You know, they just have to continue on that, you know, grow a little bit, continue to improve a little bit. But by and large, the offense just needs to go out and play their style of football. And it's going to be tough for the Saints to match that firepower without Drew Brees. Oh, most definitely. I mean, the, the Buccaneers have scored more points uh, than every team in the NFC, and they've scored more points than every team in the NFL, except for the Kansas City Chiefs. So obviously what they're doing is working. I understand they had the the really bad start against San Francisco. And then, you know, I mean, 20 points against Carolina isn't, you know, gonna gonna make national headlines, but it's that's a good point total on Thursday night on the road, coming off of a bad loss in a short week. And then, you know, what they were able to do against New York, even though they lost, and then obviously Los Angeles. And the 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 thing is, is they've gotten better every week, right? And you go back to week one, and we talked about this, how it's gonna take time for this offense to really get rolling. And you think about it, I mean, it's still a new scheme, it's still a new system, still a new coaching staff with players that Yes, they're familiar with, but they're still, you know, this is their first year together. I mean, do we really expect this offense has unveiled and unrolled everything they're going to implement into their team in the first four weeks? I don't think so. No, no. I mean, for me, and I, and I don't want to get into like key players or anything, but for me, I think that the biggest question for the offense coming into this game is who's going to be that third wide receiver to step up and become an impact player on this offense. Cause I was talking about, this with Evan on, on yesterday's episode so far, none of these wide receivers that we all kind of ran and raved about how deep the wide receiver depth was. None of them have stepped up to become that clear cut third guy, as far as production is concerned. Yeah. And and it's not for lack of opportunities for somebody like Perryman, who I don't think we're going to see play, Uh, you know, those, those hamstrings, especially for a speed guy, they're not really something to, uh, to toy with. Um, you know, Perryman's had plenty of opportunity and, and has just had some drop passes. But, 
you know, it, it is something that you and I talked about in the offseason, talking about uh, how deep the, the receiving core is. You know, we brought up the fact if Godwin went down or Mike Evans went down, neither of us was really confident in the rest of the receivers to be able to step up and, and do that. So they do need someone to emerge as that number three guy. It looked like Bobo Wilson was was going to be that uh, last week. Justin Watson got involved. Scotty Miller got a target. But yeah, nobody's nobody's asserted themselves, which is uh, it's a little bit concerning. They don't have that that Adam Humphreys role filled yet. Uh, maybe it'll come a time as they continue to implement a little bit more of the offense each and every week. But yeah, right now it's it's the Godwin and Evan show, which it, it's working. But eventually that's going to uh, it's going to cause a problem that they don't have that third guy that they can rely on. It would be nice if, if OJ Howard really was that third receiving target that they could rely on, but they're, they're not even really throwing him the ball too much. All right. Well, David, let's go ahead and dive in to our predictive players of the game. And uh, let's, let's start on the offensive side of the ball. And I will, I will give you honors. Good sir. Age before beauty. That's not, that's not fun. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so wow game is going to be Chris Godwin. Spoiler alert, he's going to be the X factor on bucksnation.com this week. I just and and uh I think I told you this already. He was going to be my X factor for the Rams game, but I got sick and was out of commission and couldn't write so I wasn't able to do it. So I guess, you know, the fun part for me is I get to use him uh this week instead. But I just feel like with the Saints defense, they've really been kind of uh, they, the defense has really been stepping up, and they've done a good job, and and they've they've really helped this team get these two wins without Drew. And I feel like they're they're going to have to lean on the secondary again. But you know that Mike Evans has a history with Marshawn Lattimore, and the Saints obviously know that Mike Evans has that history, and so they're going to be focused on giving Marshawn help. Like I understand Marshawn Lattimore is supposed to be this Pro Bowl caliber, you know, shutdown corner, da, 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 whatever. But at the end of the day. His matchup, his matchup history with Mike Evans is what it is, and it's been that way for a reason. You, you like, you got to put your ego in check, and you've got to help that dude. If you don't help that guy as the Saints defense, then Mike Evans is just going to eat all day, and the Saints are going to go down because of it. So they're going to have to roll help over to Marshawn Lattimore, which means that Chris Godwin's going to get more single coverage, and even when he's not necessarily single covered, he's going to get more opportunities to find space. So he's really going to have to step up and do that. And I, I have every every confidence in the world that he's going to be able to do it. But he's also going up against a cornerback in Eli Apple, who has been much improved from his time in New York. He fits in this system a little bit better. I think he's probably a little bit more comfortable, too. I mean, he's playing with two of his former Ohio State teammates in Von Bell and Marshawn Lattimore um, there in that defense. So, I mean, it's it feels like home, you know what I mean? And Chris Godwin, something that Evan and I were talking about, the Buccaneers receivers have not really – they're not even hitting the league average in average separation uh, on their routes. A lot of that stems from, you know, San Francisco, New York, stuff like that. But at the end of the day, Chris Godwin, one of, one of his strengths is route running and the suddenness he has in his breaks. So he's really going to come into every single route with that suddenness and that, and that focus on getting that separation because if he doesn't get separation, Eli Apple's the kind of guy that can stick a limb in there and get his hands on the ball and break up some passes – uh, so I really feel like if and like I said, like we were talking about until a third guy shows up, like if there was a clear cut third guy, then that guy would probably be my offensive player of, you know, key key player of the game. But because we don't know who that is right now, um, it's got to be Chris Godwin, because if the Saints don't have to worry, if they're if they're successful in bottling up Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, 
um, then yeah, the Buccaneers offense is going to have to find somebody else uh, to produce. And that kind of makes me nervous a little bit. Well, my, uh, my predictive offensive player of the game is Mike Evans. For some of the reasons that you just said, Mike Evans has the edge in the Evans versus Lattimore history. And you mentioned they're going to have to to send some help over to Lattimore and you have to put your ego in check. We know how these Ohio State guys are. They're not going to put their ego in check. They think they're the best at everything. And Lattimore is going to get roasted a few times. I obviously also had to take a shot at your suck eyes. Yeah, this this seems like almost almost kind of like the running backs. I think we're going to have Godwin games and we're going to have Evans games. And this has Evans game written all over it because of how well he plays against the Saints. So I think the Saints are going to take a look. They're going to realize that, you know, Chris Godwin is every bit as dangerous as Mike Evans, and they're going to have to put more focus on him. They're not going to be able to afford to roll over the top help, you know, over to to Evans or Godwin for that matter. And and they're going to have to rely on, on the corners being able to take these guys one-on-one, or they're going to have to run some zone some zone coverages to minimize the the yards after the catch. But I think Mike Evans is going to end up having a really big day for the Bucks. All right. Defensive predictive player of the game. Who do you have, David? I guess Carlton Davis. I, I've I've picked him before and I hate it. Um yeah, I just he he continues, you know, the secondary isn't isn't doing very well. We we've all, you know, cataloged that. And I kind of want to go with Mike Edwards a little bit too. I understand Teddy Bridgewater isn't Drew Brees. Uh, if the if the pass rush doesn't get home as uh, as often as we would like it to, then Teddy's got more time to work. Then I really feel like that could be a, a danger point. So, all right, I am going to go with somebody that we talked about earlier, and I'm assuming David that we're implementing last year's JPP rules to Shaq Barrett. Like he's just off limits for player of the game, right? Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair. <laughs> I'm going with another linebacker in Levante, David. If the Bucs are going to stop the Saints offense, it starts with being able to take Alvin Kamara out of the game. Whether it's in the run game or the pass game, the Bucs have to bottle him up the way they have these other running backs that they faced the last three weeks. And, and the Bucs did a great job of bottling up Christian McCaffrey in the passing game, too. He's every bit, if not more of a threat in you know, as a receiver out of the backfield as he is a runner. And the same goes for, for Kamara. So it's going to be on, on Levante to make sure that these receptions are, are minimal, that they're immediately snuffed out and stopped and go for, for minimal gains. You have to force Teddy Bridgewater to beat you. Now I'm not saying that Teddy Bridgewater can't, but you need to remove one of these offensive threats from the saints it's it's like what the patriots do they find what you're best at and they take it away from you that's what the bucks look like they're trying to do these last three weeks the best player on the field for the opposing team has been the running back and what have they done they've taken the running backs out of the game they need to do it one more time if they're going to have a shot at winning this thing and i i put a lot of that pressure on levante so david your bold prediction, sir. Uh, my bold prediction is that Devin White gets an interception. Oh, so not only 
not only is it your bold prediction that he plays, because that's still not a sure thing yet. Yeah, it's sort of a bold prediction, too. Obviously, but if you're, he play, that kind of goes out the window. You're doubling down and doing the extra bold of he gets an interception. Yeah, he's going to pick. I like it. Me, too. All right. My bold prediction, Jameis Winston will have four passing touchdowns to four different players. I really hope you're right because I'm starting him in fantasy. Well, given your options, he is the right choice. I agree. I mean, that's who I was. That's that's I was leaning on starting James anyway. I just wanted some validation. So hey, I'm I'm starting him. Yeah. All right. Let's go ahead and get into the score predictions. For those of you that listen to the Crossover Wednesday episode, you already know mine. But if you have not listened to that show, I do recommend you go back and listen Ross Jackson, who is the host of Locked On Saints, is one of the absolute best. He's one of our favorite guys in the network. He brought some great information. We had a phenomenal time with the show. So please go back and, and check that out. But David, my my score prediction was 30 to 28 Saints on a last second field goal by Will Lutz. And no, I'm not doing that just because I'm 0 for 4 on my predictions. I do think that this is, I, I do believe that the Bucks and the Saints split, but I think this is the game that the Saints end up taking. As odd as it sounds, I think the Bucks have a better chance to beat the Saints at home after Drew Brees' return. I don't think he's going to be 100% at all this season, even after he returns. And I, I think the defense will take advantage of that. Somehow, someway, Teddy Money down there in New Orleans has found a way to get it done the last two weeks, and I think he makes it a third. That is absolute insanity. It is, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, so let's hope the trend continues. I am taking uh, the Buccaneers 35 35- to 31. I uh, I do feel like I, I like Teddy Bridgewater. I do feel like, you know, obviously and, and everything, and the defense has had to be relied on heavily. But I feel like Teddy Bridgewater is still a very serviceable, a very good quarterback. Um, I can't remember exactly which defender it was, but during some of the locker room interviews, uh at least one Buccaneers defend defender referred to Teddy Bridgewater as not a backup, but he is he's a starting quarterback. In the National Football League. And I feel like he's going to kind of get his motor going a little bit and playing at home, playing against a division rival. I mean, uh, when, when you talk about playing football, I mean, division rivals and, and all that stuff and, and playing in front of your home crowd, especially a home crowd at the Superdome, you know what I mean? It's, it's a very supportive crowd. That's not the kind of crowd that I would expect is going to be booing, you know, if, if this team falls down early by a couple scores. That's not the kind of crowd that's going to be booing Teddy Bridgewater. They're going to be in there cheering him on and and trying to get that offense rolling a little bit with some support and help that defense with some noise. So I feel like this could be the week where he really kind of shows up a little bit and, and kind of shows some of that old school or that, you know, that Teddy Bridgewater of the past that we saw before uh, his injury. So I feel like it's going to be close, but I do feel like the Buccaneers are going to pull it out. I do feel like they're going to win 35-31. Uh, My predictive scores are going up a little bit. I don't feel like the Bucs are probably going to put up another 50-burger, but I feel like, you know, uh, 30 to 30 to 40 points. I feel like is a good range for this offense. If they really, if, if they can keep up the momentum that they're, they're coming up with. Plus uh, again, try and take the crowd out of it. One of the best ways to make, take a crowd out of the game is to bore them. So if they get a lead early 
and you can get some some running backs involved. You can get some run plays going and, and all that stuff. The crowd gets bored early. They get lulled to sleep, and they go get nachos to stay awake instead of yelling in your face while you're trying to call out uh, snap count. So, yeah, 35-31, that's my prediction. And uh, I'm two for two, or I'm two and two this year. So, yeah, I don't know. I picked the Bucks all, all people. Somebody's going to call me a homer eventually. I picked the Bucks every single week. But correct me if I'm wrong, the Bucks could have won every week too. So, uh, You are 100% correct. And, you know, they just happen to shoot themselves in the foot the, the weeks that I pick them. Yeah, Bucks beating Bucks. So, I don't know. I, I, we, I mean, we're almost out of time. But real quick, here's what I want to say. If looking at this team, and I'm not in the coaching, I'm not a coach staff, on the coaching staff, I'm not in the meeting rooms, nothing like that. And I understand he has some struggles during the preseason or whatever. I think in this offense, honestly, Justin Watson makes more sense as a third receiver with Rashad Perryman out than Bubba Wilson does. I would agree. I I think that he fits the mold a little bit better. I yeah. The thing about about Watson is we haven't we haven't seen it. Yeah. You know, he does well in practice. He does well in training camp. But we've seen Bobo make catches in games. Jameis trusts him. We haven't seen that out of Watson. And until we do, I have to lean that Bobo is going to be the guy over Watson. Until Watson does something to change my mind. Now, is it is it something with the the chemistry and the rapport and the trust that Jameis and Bobo have with one another rather than Jameis and Watson? I don't know. Yeah. But I do think from a talent perspective, Watson's a better receiver. But for some reason, Jameis, Jameis trusts Wilson to get the job done. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I think Bobo is definitely the guy who's still going to get the opportunities. He's he's the guy who got the opportunities last week in Los Angeles more than more than Justin did. But I mean, I don't know. I just I feel like Justin probably has more upside in this offense as a third receiver than than Bobo does. Uh, I don't know. Hopefully, Bobo can prove me wrong this week in New Orleans. But we'll see, man. Because I mean, like you said, uh, I said yesterday with Evan on the podcast. You said it tonight. Uh, this team's got to find a third receiving option. I understand OJ Howard. Cam Bray are kind of third receiving options from the tight end, but I mean they've got to find a third wide receiver um, that can that can contribute. Not you know put a wide receiver in one fantasy numbers, nothing crazy, but come in and be an Adam Humphrey, be a guy who can get three to five catches in a ball game and move the chains every once in a while and and get three to four yards. You know when when the play breaks down is not available downfield because eventually, like I said with Evan last night, I don't want to rehash everything, but eventually defenses are going to start rolling the dice and say, you know what, let's double both Godwin and Evans. Let's make sure both of them are surrounded by defenders and let's make a Bobo Wilson or a Justin Watson beat us in the passing game. And right now, I don't know if they can do it. Sunday will certainly be a a good time to find out. But with that, David, we are out of here. So... Please make sure you are checking out everything going on over at BucksNation.com. Make sure you're sending us your reaction voicemails to 813-444-5841. Again, we got flooded last week. Please make sure you're keeping your voicemails at around that 60-second mark. Don't go over uh, so we can get more of these voicemails on the show. Uh, because every voicemail that we get on the show, that person gets entered in to win the $100 NFL Shop gift card. Also, make sure that uh, that you're keeping it clean for the kids. Okay, a couple of these couple of these voicemails had some had some bad language. Let's let's cut that out. One minute limit, no dirty words. Please 
Make sure you're following along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JayArco underscore Bucks, at DH82 underscore Bucks, and at Bucks underscore Nation. Hope you all have an absolutely phenomenal weekend, and we will talk to you again on Monday right here at LockedOnBucks. If I lay it in, I need ya. I fuck with you like Martin, fuck with Gina. We family like we Venus and Serena. Let's go get married like we think out in Kenesha. Don't give a fuck about the words about my people. I don't care what the fuck they told you, we ain't equal uh-uh. Then cut from the same club, they need to through And I be too busy doing me to see what he do no. Yeah, first two, that the n- from the other side uh-huh. And I do it myself, whenever I ride, you know that my brothers ride okay. And I still got a lot of shit on my mind that I can't undecide yeah, yeah. Got me ready to slide, feeling like Doughboy when his brother Boys died in the hood, you know I step, you know how I rep, you know about baby You know how I'm coming back for that cross if you ever play me get back. You know how I got it about the mud and turned to the grave